Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I'm very happy to be back in the studio after a week away. And uh, let me give you some quick show notes. First, um, I'd like to give our call-in number. If you're listening and you want to call in and speak directly to our guests, we'd love to hear from you. And you can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And also be sure to visit our website for all things Women to Watch related at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. I'm thrilled today to have two really wonderful women with me. And the first is our very own in-house contributor, Tish Squilero. Uh, Again, Tish is the founder and CEO of Candor Consulting. And she is also the author of Head Trash, one and two. And then waiting in the wings, um, our very special guest today is Alice Catwan. Alice is Vice President of Sales West Region at Genesis, and she leads the North American West commercial and operational activities there. Um, we're going to be joined by her in just a few minutes. Uh, first, we're going to welcome Tish to the show. Hi, Tish. Hey, Susan. How are happy you? Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday to you as well. Uh, great to have you, and um, I, I'm happy that you're going to be talking about something you know I think is very, very important um, for anyone related to both sales and life, and that is self-awareness and how it is the key to engaging with others. So take it away. Sure. Well, we did a lot around the emotional barriers and utilizing head trash as the way people 
get stuck with making decisions, having relationships, and just find themselves stifled. And one of the main components before you can even get to that is to really recognize who am I and how do I behave and how do I do things. And that's really the basics of your self-awareness. And I have found in all the work that I do with individuals of all levels and um, all different types of roles, that lack of self-awareness at times is the big culprit that causes, say, head trash, that causes bad relationships. Because we don't necessarily always recognize who we are, but we have this perception of who we think we are. And those don't always align. So I wanted to take the opportunity for the next couple of months to really get people to start taking a look at themselves and seeing how others see them. Uh, Because that is probably going to be the best indicator uh, as to whether or not you are having a self-awareness that you actually believe in is what you want it to be. Let, let me ask you two questions, Tish. The first one, what do you think is the cause of the lack of self-awareness? Do you think that it's people not understanding the importance of it or the fact that they just are so busy, um, you know, with their day-to-day lives that they don't take the time to reflect? Well, that's a great question, and I think it has a double or two-piece answer. One is we always like to think that we're doing everything we can the right way or a way in which we think is going to resolve things the best. So it's very self-serving. The second is, you know, unless you have a way to put a characteristic around what you're doing or a way to describe styles, it makes it very difficult to put it into a compartment to know exactly what are we talking about. And so that is one of the things that I do a lot with my clients is I help them label, if you will, the type of behaviors that they're, that they're um, showing and the types of ways they handle relationships. And this is just not work because I don't believe that we're one person at work and then someone else at home. A lot of people may disagree, but if you think about it, you bring yourself wherever you go. If you're at home and you're in the office, the same person shows up. Do we learn to couch certain things differently? Absolutely. But we are the same person. And I think without having a way to describe and label it, um, it makes it difficult to really see it. So that's one of the things that we're going to do with your listeners over the course of the next several months is to put things in a very simple, basic way of describing where those different styles are so that you can find your bucket that you're in and what you see in yourself. And you may like what you see and you may not like what you see. And that's where we begin the development of improving or enhancing what we're doing. And I guess there's two ways to, um, to, to get to that. One is to ask the right questions, and then the other, and maybe maybe you'll be talking about this on a different show. Finding out what you know, what feedback do you receive from those around you, uh, both your colleagues and and family and friends? That can always be um, a real eye opener, um, and it's important to take the time to, to ask. I guess especially those that you work with. You know, how do you um, see me and my leadership style? Uh, and that can be a tough, you know, those can be tough questions to ask. But are there, are there other questions um, that perhaps are at the very top of the list when someone's going to begin to reflect on, on who they are? What are some of the questions they should be asking? There are. And um, when we start to kick off each of the four styles that I'm going to get people comfortable with, I am going to offer an opportunity for some of your listeners to 
use one of the profiles that we like and work with a lot because asking others to answer that question isn't so easy for them either. Right. So in the work world, it's almost a, a version of a 360 of saying, hey, what am I like in the environment that we're in together? And many people may not be comfortable to actually answer it. So I like people to get enough data on themselves first Mm -hmm. so that when they are asking other people, it's done in a way where it's not threatening, but actually more about information and a discussion. And so step one would be let's help people understand where those different behaviors are. And I'll give you a little snapshot. There's four that we work with that no matter where and how someone um, is in their career or their job, you're going to find that you're going to lean towards one of these four. Either you're going to be a very extreme, direct, and uh, aggressive in your thinking person, or you're going to be very engaging and sociable and, and someone that everyone can talk to, or you're going to be much about planning and processing and organizing that everything makes sense, or do you look for things that are very practical and logical and try not to overdo and overdream, but use things that are real. Those are four basic ways in which people can start to describe their style. Once we get them comfortable with where they feel, for the most part, do they house themselves, we'll then help them describe the characteristics of how those are translated to somebody else and what they see. And this is the beginning of having that self-awareness, which we've coined in Tander's world as your UQ. That's your U quotient. You've got your IQ, which is your intellect quotient. You've got your CQ, which is your communications quotient. But I do believe that what those two elements, unless you know who you are and you don't know who you is, it's going to be hard to figure out how to navigate those other two. So we like to call it your UQ. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you think if you get closer, the more self-aware you become, do you think your what we all know as an EQ goes up? It should because mm-hmm. you have control now. And anytime someone has a healthy control over their decision-making, which is not an unhealthy head trash controlling, once you have that sort of control over making choices for yourself, you'll look at the pros and cons of what's really around you. And you should make better decisions of how you engage with someone. You'll mm-hmm. make better decisions on how you give someone direction. You'll look at a relationship you're in even with your children and maybe make better choices on how you might want to say something. Yes, you should be able to have your emotional intelligence heightened because you're actually aware of what you're saying and how it's impacting someone else. Right. We may be aware of what we're saying, but we don't always think about how it impacts somebody else. Mm, right. That's that's really important. Um, listen, I want to give a quick mention to the fact that Tish is going to be sub-hosting for me um, on September the 12th when I am in Ireland. And, Tish, I just thought I'd give you um, – do you know yet who your guest is going to be? I have someone in mind. I'm just waiting for it to be cleared through their, their business, so I okay. can't speak yet. But it will be an amazing – uh, young woman with an inspirational story for sure. <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> all right. That sounds great, Tish. Um, I will be talking to you. And um, again, for the listeners, if you want to reach out to Tish, she's doing uh, a lot of great things. And if you're interested in her uh, consulting services, you can find her at candorconsulting.com. And that's candor-consulting.com. Yes. yes. So it's Tish at, and then it's candor-consulting. And starting next month, we are going to have a little campaign going for folks to really get advan- take advantage 
of taking a profile for themselves and seeing what comes out. So all you listeners, as we go through the next couple of months, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have some activity where there'll be engagement for them to take a real good look at their UQ. Good. Good. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Tish, thanks so much. Have a great rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Um, so now we're going to bring on our guest for this afternoon. I'm, I'm so happy and thrilled that she's joining us today. Uh, again, her name is Alice Catwan. She's the Vice President of Sales uh, for the West Region at Genesis. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan. I really enjoyed listening to some of your previous interviews, and I look forward to the session today. I'm very excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you. Where are you calling from today? From Mountain View, California. Very nice. How is it out there? It's beautiful. <laughs> Good. Beautiful. It's about seven, you know, high 70s. Is it? Oh, beautiful. Well, we have the same here, but it's it's a little bit overcast. I'm not seeing the sun at all today, but that's okay. So <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, you and I spoke before the show, and um, you have such a uh, really wonderful story, your life story, and um you know, I think that the success that you found is going to be a great inspiration for our listeners. And I wanted to uh, have you speak for a few minutes about your upbringing and kind of give them a sense of where you came from and, and what helped shape the person you are today. Sure. So I'm first-generation Palestinian-American. Um, my father came here um, at a very, very young age, about 14, Um, and worked at various relative grocery stores to make money to then go back and bring his family um, and my mom. And and when they got married, um, they started a family. And, you know, we lived in a home with extended family. Um, And every event, every family event that we had, um, it all revolved around food, all of our social settings. So in our culture, food is a big social gathering component, mm-hmm. um, to what, to what we did. Um, uh, it also, my father, you know, was very determined to get an education and a degree. And so, you know, he also went to college, um, and got two degrees. And so he was a very big proponent of education for us, from for me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. Can I? And I throughout, yes. No, I was going to say, I forget. Did he go to, uh, where did he receive his degrees? San Jose State. Okay. And from what I remember, were you not the first um, female in your family to get a college degree? Um, in my immediate family, yes. And so, um, you know, he, that was one, you know, he, there's a couple of things that he really wanted for me and my, you know, my uh, brothers and sisters. And one is he wanted to make sure that we, went to get a college degree so that as that's the foundation of anything and everything that we wanted to do moving forward in life. And even as being a female, you know, traditionally in the past, historically, you were to get, you know, you get married and then you raise a family and you stay home like my mom, my mom did. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. you take care of the home front. Right. And you don't necessarily, uh, you don't, you don't go work. Right. But my father really wanted us to do what made us happy Right. And also want us to, you know, wanted the, my sister and I um, to be able to have a career and to be educated. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that had a, a major influence on you to have him saying to you and, and of course, from where he came and, and his own background uh, to, to tell you both that you really 
could and should do um, something that makes you happy and, and really strive to be successful. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's, it's something that I, you know, carry with me with all the decisions I made from, you know, going to decide like what my career was going to be or what my college um, focus was going to be, whether it was going to be biology or business. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of community influence that comes in play, you know, of what you should do, culture influences of what you should do. This is what you should do. Right. Yes. And to step out of that mold is, you know, you're looked at differently. And so just to give you an example, I really wanted to be a career mom and, that is something that, you know, in our culture historically, you know, back then was not really promoted, mm -hmm. right? And so right. I struggled with that a little bit because in the community, you would get some feedback like, you know, oh, you have to work or, oh, you're going to send your kids to daycare. Somebody else is going to watch your kids. And when you get feedback like that, it's, um, you get very, you question, you know, whether you're making the right decisions and sometimes, you know, you feel guilty, right? Mm -hmm. So. And it takes, you know, a lot of strength to keep going. Right, to go against, yeah, you know, w what you're hearing around you. You know, I was lis yeah. listening to Tish at the top of the show talking about, you know, reflection. And uh, I know that you were a bio major um, in school. And I, I think at one point you, you were kind of, it was a toss-up between a doctor or a lawyer. Um, but you seemed to do some reflection um, early on, which I think was such a great thing. And, and you really determined that, sales and business was something you were drawn to and, um, you know, was exciting. Yes. So, you know, at a very young age, um, you know, I took on various jobs like selling newspapers, like, um, you know, uh, passing out advertisements for local businesses and babysitting. Um, and then throughout um, high school, you know, I had other jobs like at Montgomery Wards and like the sales department at, you know, the window covering um in the window covering department. And so when I, but when I was starting college, you know, there was a big push from, you know, my mom and the culture, you know, the, the community, like it's really, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer. And those were the two prestigious, you know, careers to go after. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did, I decided to be a biology major. And after a couple months of, you know, getting into it and dissecting frogs and, you know, working with liquid, other liquids and, and things, I decided that it wasn't for me and I could continue down that path mm -hmm. or I could soft, you know, make a decision to change, you know, early on and make a shift to something that I was more passionate about. Um, and I really, really enjoyed all the different jobs that I had picked up at a young age in being in sales. And so I shifted my major to business. Was there ever a moment when you were contemplating becoming a lawyer or was it, did you really just go from science to, to business? I just went from science to business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wa wanted the listeners to know that you received a, a really wonderful award um, in 2015. You were honored with the Silicon Valley Woman of Influence Award. Tell me what that meant to you um, to receive that and, of course, to be named, you know, among some other really successful women. It was a huge honor. Um, it was a huge honor to receive that award. I mean, receiving the email and the phone call um, to receive that award, it's something that I've been working, building up to for, you know, the last 20 years, right, the last 19 years um, of my career. Um, you know, I've slowly been building up to that. And 
it was a great accomplishment, a huge accomplishment for me. And I felt like, um, you know, of all the years of spending, you know, my time working on my career slowly as I was raising a family that having that accomplishment just, it just, you know, it just gave me the confidence to take my career to, to the next level. And we should mention, you know, your your family, you have three boys, ironically, you know, we're, we're talking about women and success yeah. and, um, you know, growing up with a sister and, and a father who was, you know, really instilling in you um, being strong, being a strong woman, you have three boys. And so, yeah, yeah I'm sure that they are um, proud of you. What, what kind of conversations do you have with them when it comes to, uh, you know, respecting women or I'll say girls for the age that they are? They are very respectful. And I think I do really think that they appreciate what I, you know, what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm setting a good example for them. And I know that by, some of the things that they do um, and how they react towards some of the work that I do. And, you know, um, when I gave the commencement speech at San Francisco State University, if you listen to the playback towards the very end, my older son yelled in the background, go mom. And <laughs> just hearing that, I was, yeah. I was giving this speech, it was such a proud moment for me. And he then within 24 hours went and posted on his Instagram page, how proud he was of me for the the fact that I've worked so hard for 20 years to build up to this, right? And right. he wanted to share that with all his friends, and that's not something a 16-year-old boy does, right? right. So, you know, those, proud, those, those moments where they validate for me that I've made, you know, the right decisions and that they value that, I know that moving forward for them, they will instill that in their future with, they're the choices that they make with other women in their future. Right, absolutely. I, you know, I did listen to that speech, and I heard him at the end. It was my favorite part. <laughs> I thought, you know, that just kind of says it all. What a, what a great lesson for them. Um, yeah. I know that you, you know, if, if we want to discuss uh, kind of a philosophy that you have as a leader and also just in your life day to day, there's um, what you call the three Ps. Uh, that you remind yourself of and try to to focus on. Um, I wonder if you could talk about those for a few minutes, the passion, uh, being present, and play. Yeah, how, how, did they, how did they come to be, and why are those, those three in particular important to you? Absolutely. So, you know, the, you know, passion is very important to me because I feel like when you're passionate about something, no matter what it is, you will succeed. And obviously, everybody measures success differently. But I believe if you go after something that you truly believe in and that you feel good about, you will have fun along the way and you will succeed. And so I'm going to go back to, you know, the fact that I chose to change my major from biology to business because I was passionate about business. I knew even though people would tell me it's business is so vague, there isn't a direct career path. What are you going to go do? I knew deep down inside that I wanted to be a businesswoman and that I was passionate about that. And so shifting my career to, to business, um, it made me happy, right? And also staying the course, I would say, as well. So, you know, one challenge that I had, you know, after I graduated from school was getting a job in tech. And that was my passion and that was my dream is to get a job in tech. And I really had a hard time because at the time it was a bubble and there was – 
so many, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a, a lot of jobs out there, but you had to have so many years of experience to get into technology. Right. And what year was um, that? What, just so that was reference. in 97, 97. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that was, that was when like, it wasn't so much the startup yet. It was more right. of like the Oracles and the HPs, you know, the bigger companies. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I struggled, I'd, I'd get interviews, but I didn't have any, you know, tech experience and they had a larger pool of candidates that had tech experience. And so, you know, it was a bit disappointing for me initially, but I stuck to it, stuck with it um, because I was very passionate about it. And with the help of, you know, my mother-in-law and, you know, extended family and leveraging our network, I was able to land my first job in tech. And so I, I would say that in summary, you know, is my experience of why passion is so important to me, because no matter what, you do, if you're passionate about it and you're determined about it, um, you will succeed. And, and, and as you said, I think too, that's what ha- um, helps you to stay the course, right? If, you, if, you, if you're just loving it, that really helps you stay the course because there will always be ups and downs. Absolutely. And I'll tell you throughout my entire career, um, you know, different, all the different opportunities that I've been presented with have been, you know, through my network and, you know, through leveraging folks through my network and, you know, again, being passionate helped me stay to the course and helped me um, get to where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, wanted to be, I should say. Right. Now let's talk about, um, you know, something that's very much spoken about, you know, um, in conversation today, trying to be present, you know, really be kind present, of, be, yeah. you know, focus on, on the now and what we're doing. Yeah. It is very hard because we have a lot of distractions today, right? With mm-hmm. all the technology and technology will continue to innovate and come out with, you know, more technology, right? And it can be very, very distracting. Um, you know, phones, I guess, you know, the smartphones have, become, have taken over our lives. I mean, if you look at, if you go anywhere, whether it be a restaurant, a park, anyone walking down the street, everyone's looking down at their phones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it can be very, very distracting, and it can take away from the human interaction that we have with others. And, you know, when I growing up as a kid, you know, we rode our bikes, and you knew where everybody was at because the bikes were all parked in front of that house, right? Um, and, <laughs> right. you know, that's what you knew. And, you know, uh, when, when I, you know, matured and became a, you know, had a career, you know, everyone knew where you were between 8 to 5. You were at the office, and then you came home. There wasn't a lot of, you know, of this, you know, interaction. Uh, technology interaction. Um, and so I really believe in putting it down and being present. And I'm seeing that a lot because of my interactions with my kids and the influence that I'm putting, you know, that, that I'm showing, you know, am for them, right? So if I come home every day and they're trying to talk to me and I'm responding to a text or communicating on my phone, they're going to do the same thing. And so I, we implement a rule at our house. Um, if my husband and I are walking in and we're on a conference call, we finish a, our phone call outside before we walk in so that we're not walking in on a call and not giving the kids the attention that they need. Um, but even in a business setting, I have QBRs that, you know, quarterly business reviews where we all get together in a business setting. And during those meetings, I implement no cell phone, no computer, laptop rule mm-hmm. so that they are focused and being present and giving the, the person that is speaking their undivided attention um, so that they um, give them the respect that they need. I mean, you want to make others feel how you want to be treated, right? 
treated as how you want to be treated. Yeah, you know, I wonder if that is the norm or is that not the norm for companies to implement that, um, you know, during meetings and um, conferences and, and it's, it's, it's courtesy and it seems like common sense. Um, but I, I do, I wonder if that is the norm because it would certainly make for, um, you know, the, the experience to be better and have, have the, the audience much more focused. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be surprised it should be the norm. And for the most part, it's very, it's respectful to do that, but Mm -hmm. you will see it, you know, on occasion that people, you know, here's the thing is like everything can wait, but I think because everything we're so, uh, we can access everything now so quickly that people feel like they need to respond right away to that email or to that text message and not put down their phone and wait for the appropriate time Mm -hmm. um, to send them. And so I think we have to all take a step back, right? And remember sort of where we all came from and, and the old ways of communicating, you know, and, um, and, 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 you know, take a different perspective and and respect the person that we're talking to so that we can give them our undivided attention. Exactly. And then what do you do to play? Because that's just as important. Yes. So, you know, play. So I had a turning point in my um, life where, you know, I finally hit a wall because I wanted to do it all and have it all. And I wanted to be the best at work. I wanted to be the best mom that I could be, you know, attending as many functions as I could, baking for all the school events. I wanted to be the best wife that I could and have the cleanest house and the laundry done and dinner cooked every night. And I hit a wall and my health took a major nosedive. And so I had to come to, you know, I had to, to decide myself, what is the most important thing to me? And I had to start to scale back um, and come to the realization that I could have everything, just maybe not all at the same time. And the one thing that was the most important to me was that I cooked for my family every night and that we had dinner together so that we can share what had happened during our day um, with each other and have that, that sense of family, just like I did when I was younger, growing up with my family and have the food and the table and the round, you know, the conversations. And so I was fortunate enough also to um, be able to hire a nanny to help me pick up some of the, the other tasks so that I can focus on the one thing that I wanted to do for my family and so that I can um, play and have fun. And so for me, uh, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy being when I'm not working. I enjoy being with my kids and spending time with my kids. Right. It's 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 so important. It's interesting, isn't it, that sometimes it takes, um, you know, a, a wake up call, something to happen to really to shake us and and remind us that we're, you know, too too one sided. Um, and, and and you know what? I wonder, do you think it's harder for and this is for men and women, but women in particular who, you know, we are very good at multitasking. Um, we can do yeah. a lot of things at once. And I think when you are in a, in a job that you're passionate about and you enjoy it and you're successful, it's harder to force yourself to, to kind of slow down because you're just in it yeah. and you're, you know, you're thriving and, and you're, you're overdoing it and you're not even aware sometimes. Yeah, and I also think because being a woman, right, um, you're viewed a little bit differently as well. And so um, you're always, I feel that I'm always having to sort of prove, not just prove myself, but to to make sure that I am hitting all the targets that I need to hit, right? 
in all aspects of areas, right? Um, because you're viewed as potentially, oh, well, she, you know, she has kids at home. She may not be able to do A, B, and C or, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy being in sales because it's a measurable, um, it's not subjective and it's measurable. The results are measurable. And so I don't have to worry about, and do they think I'm do, doing a great job or not? Because the numbers are there, mm, right? right? And so yes. it allows me to not have that worry and to focus on, other more productive areas, right? Exactly. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break, um, Alice. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that. You really, you know, you, you're leading a um, global uh, multimillion dollar company. And yes, your sales are there. I want to talk about what your leadership styles are. Sure. We'll be right back. Okay. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus our same day readings mean same day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. I have with me on the show today Alice Catwan, Vice President of Sales West Region at Genesis. And uh, just before the break, Alice, we were talking about the fact that, um, you know, the Having to, that need to feel like you have to prove yourself, um, again, I think that probably goes across the board for men and women, but, but more so for women for the amount of responsibilities we seem to carry. And your numbers have certainly proven um, your success. Tell me, um, what are some of the uh, philosophies you have, I'll say, or, or what is your leadership style that really motivates your own team and has helped you um, be so successful in sales? Sure. So, yes, yeah, so I am known for, you know, building teams that, that breed this culture. It's all about the culture that, you know, breeds it, that, you know, that's the core foundation of the success. Um, and, and it's funny because one comment that was made um, the other day by uh, someone who at, was asking, he's interested in joining our team, and he asked somebody about, our team, and they said, well, she throws the best QBRs, right, quarterly business reviews. And so if you just take that, the culture that, you know, I really believe in um, and the pillars, the, the, the four pillars around the culture that I believe in and that I breed, that's the foundation for the success. And it really, really starts with a culture that talks about and wants everybody to win, not just one or two individuals, but the entire team. 
And a big component of that is, you know, I have a very diverse team from two perspectives, right? From one perspective, I have 50% female and 50% men, women and men on my team. And so I truly believe that, you know, having women on a team, it's not a statistic of, you know, oh, we're trying to increase how many women in the numbers, right? It's more of what value, what contributions, what uniqueness do women bring to the team and that diversity, what does that do for us and how does it impact us, right? And so from one point, I have the diversity of having women and, and men on the team. And from another perspective, I have the diversity of having different skill sets on my team. Mm-hmm. So if I take the leaders on my team, there's five leaders on my team, all of us come from different backgrounds. We all have different skills. Um, and so our contributions to each other and the way we collaborate is different. Right. And so we have weekly calls where uh, management calls where we come together and we talk about some challenges that we've had over the course of the week. And we give different we have different feedback as to how to um, get our wrap our arms around those challenges and get past them. And I think that's the uniqueness there. It's so easy to hire a team of all the individuals looking the same. Right. But I think having the diversity of having uh, different backgrounds, having you know, different you know, men and women, I think really adds to the success of our team, my team and what we're seeing. It's very, very well balanced. Would you be, would you um, be able to, to note you know, some skill sets that you see as common um, in women versus men you know, over, over the years from your experience? I would say the willingness to collaborate um, they have and the conviction and passion. Uh, you, I think those come out more. Um, in women, I also would or, say that, in women. Yes. Yeah, in women. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In women, and also they have a different way of coming at problem solving skills as well. Um, and so those are some of the uniquenesses that I've that I've seen. And it helps to balance out the team as well, just to bring those different perspectives in. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder where that comes from. Do you think? Um, men by nature are more competitive and therefore not as eager to collaborate, but more wanting to kind of stand out on their own. Um, yeah, you, you do see a lot more of the women wanting to include everyone and to be, and, and that, and you know, that's a whole um, notion of having, you know, a team versus an individual, right? Yes. And, and wanting your, having a friendly competition, which we have on our team where, they, their collaboration is just out of this world. I mean, they pick up the phone and they collaborate and they help each other solve problems um, and they want each other to win. Of course, every, everyone in sales, they want to be the, t- the top, right? Yes. But they, they, they definitely, definitely, you see a lot more collaboration from women bringing everybody together, right? Um, and so I think that's definitely the value um, and the quality that they, you know, the positive qualities that they bring um, having, you know, having them to the ta- at the table. Yeah. Now, on the it's flip side thing. of that, yeah, on the flip side, sometimes people will say that that um, can be a, a lack of confidence. In other words, stepping out on your own and really speaking out. Um, and this isn't always the case, but that somehow they, they feel a little bit better or more confident to kind of bounce ideas off of someone else rather than, you know, go go it alone. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? They, they also build the confidence when 
I want to say, you know, when, when they're winning also too, right? So the one thing, well, the one other part of the pillar of the culture that I've built is recognition and reward. And I feel like when you, you know, it's so easy to give someone feedback when they're not doing a great job or they're not doing well, right? But sometimes we, there's an oversight when, when people do well to recognize them and reward. Right. And that's one thing that I make a point to do all the time is mm. when someone has an accomplishment, accomplished something, or they did something really well, I make a point to recognize them with their peers, with our leaders and the whole community around us, because mm-hmm. that builds the confidence in them to continue to a want to succeed, but B to want that collaboration and work well with their teammates right because you know everyone wants to be able to contribute when they feel like they're contributing it's the entire team is successful right um tell me how you know this is um your industry is is software it's technology it's um um, my goodness it's a very competitive industry um what would you say is something that makes Genesis stand out from the rest? What kinds of things, when you're going into client meetings, what are you saying to, to these potential clients about the company and the products that make you different? So we are the leader um, in, in this full omni-channel customer experience and contact center solutions. And a part of that is because we offer the entire suite, right, um, where, you know, some, some of the vendors and some of our competitors offer point solutions. We have the complete solution. We help our customers, um, you know, merge and bring together all their interactions and touch points um, across their customer journeys. Um, we've, been, um, we've been promoted by Gartner, you know, as being in the top right-hand um, corner as being a leader in that, in that space. Um, and so Genesis has definitely been the most innovative um, in our industry when it comes to contact center and customer experience. Well, that's, that's fantastic. That, so that's, you know, stands alone um, and is something that, that you can talk about and obviously be very proud of. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about customer service today in general, um, it's a tough, tough topic or it's a tough thing to work on to have both the technology um, working, you know, in at high capacity, but also have that human element and that human piece to it. When you know, when people are um, dealing with businesses and companies, they're they're really missing that. Is that something that you look to incorporate into your um, your your services? I'll say. Yeah. So you know, our in uh, our industry, our space right now is really hot, and it's really hot because of the different ways that companies can interact with their customers and with the technology that we've been, you know, presented with, right? Um, Like texting, um, email, um, the chat now feature. There's different Mm. channels um, as to how you can communicate with your customers. And so bigger, you know, companies are forced to accommodate all those different interactions and channels and bring them together to have sort of that, that seamless experience and, mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, technology is, you know, forcing many, many companies to take a look at their customer journeys, uh, how to bring them together. And that's why the space is really, really hot right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's just changing so rapidly. 
all of it's the changing rapidly yes, right and if you and the differentiator you know the differentiator for certain companies too is how they treat their customers right and what That's we're right. also seeing is with millennials right they don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. Right. They don't want to pick up the phone and talk. <laughs> right. right, they're not used to they, that. <laughs> no, no, they don't want to do that. They want to yeah. just press the chat button or they just want to email. And, you know, I even know with, you know, my own, you know, my 16-year-old, you know, he, he had to change a doctor appointment the other day. And he's like, well, can't I just email them? Can't we just text them? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you need to pick up the phone and make a phone call. Right. And so to them, they, you know, the, the way that, you know, the, the new generation, the way that we service the new generation is different and you need to be able to accommodate all the different, um, you know, generations. Yeah. It's the speed. I mean, everything, you know, I know for me personally, I, by nature, I am impatient. So everything that allows me to do things quicker, I love, I love that. But then, you know, we find ourselves impatient sometimes unnecessarily, you know, when we can't have something instantly. It's, uh, it's kind yeah. of silly. Um, listen, I wanted to talk, Alice, a little bit about you are a mentor for POW. Is that something you're still yep. doing, uh, providing yes. opportunities for, for women organization? Talk about that for a few minutes, yes. what, um, what exactly you do and, and what made you decide to do it. So I was approached by a, a friend of mine um, who is on their board, and he had asked if I would be willing to spend time with them and be a mentor and I was very thrilled to do that. Any opportunity that I can give give back, I would love to. And so um, I spent time with the organization, um, helping. Um, you know what they what they their what their goal is is to they created this group of women at San Francisco State University, and the whole goal is to create this community where other organizations outside the community, other companies outside can recruit from that pool of women when they're in their junior and senior year in college. Um, and so I spent some time with them. I, um, you know, shared, you know, some of my learnings in the past and, you know, wh- what has worked for me, et cetera, with them and helped connect them with various folks as they were becoming ready to um, enter the workforce later on um, after their senior year. It was a very op- exciting opportunity. Oh, it's a great opportunity. You know, I I think that mentors, um, there's so many mentorship programs today um, that we didn't have um, when when we were growing up, certainly when I was in school. And um, I think it's such an advantage for young people to have an opportunity to be um, conversing with, with someone who happens to be in their maybe chosen field of study and really learn the truth, you know, about what is happening out there so that when they do graduate, they are ready. Right. And I also believe, you know, one way of, you know, increasing uh, women in the workplace is to start mentoring them at a younger age and, and helping them build the confidence that they need to then take that next leap and that next step into the workforce. Cause it could be intimidating when the pool of women isn't as high as it is with men, especially in fields like engineering. Right. And I don't know if you, I mean, I've been keeping up a little bit with the Olympics and, you know, what's new this year is every country that's participating um, has a woman uh, athlete on their team, Mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, more than ever, right? Mm -hmm. And even companies like Saudi Arabia and Qatar that, you know, never had women representatives had women representatives on their team. And so that is a huge accomplishment. I think the only shift that I would 
say is I would love for us to start looking at it as more of why women contribute and how they can contribute and why, you know, what they bring to the table versus it being a quota that has to be met or the numbers, you know, aspect of it. Exactly. So, yeah. So, well, that's a good question. Tell me, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what, when you think about the big picture, um, and, and we're certainly moving towards having more women in leadership roles. What, what do you think we're going to see as, uh, I don't, I don't want to say a country, as a world once we do? What, what is going to be that positive outcome of having more women leading? So I truly believe that it creates that diversity. And having that diversity, I think we are going to see, you know, businesses take maybe different perspectives um, also, the you know, uh, not just not just in businesses. I mean, in, in the world, right? I think, I think there's that women can contribute. I think that that women bring different characteristics to the table, and viewing it from that again from that perspective, it will change the way that you know that the, the we are seen in the world, right? Changing some of the culture, the culture will shift. The challenge that I see too is because there's few women today in businesses, they don't, um, there's a, a perception that there's not enough, you know, that, that not that there's not enough room for them, but we should promote and want more women at the top, right. And promote more women to enter so that we have a larger pool to communicate from and shape our futures. And, you know, one of the other things I think is important is that we're seeing, and this is for corporations as well, um, more focus on social causes. And I would say by, you know, I think by nature, it's, it's kind of in women's DNA to, to see a problem and want to take care of it. Um, so yes. they certainly can contribute in that area. Oh, ab- oh absolutely. I think um, the contribution in that area um, is, is significant as well. And I see, um, again, you know, the, the experience and the collaboration that they bring um, can definitely help in that area as well. Yeah. Can you t- talk about some uh, mentors that you have had in your life, um, whether men yes. or women, and, and, you know, what kind of lessons have they left you with? Yeah. And so I've had a couple mentors um, in my life, um, one being, um, uh, you know, I, Joe Miller, um, you know, fabulous mentor. Um, she really, really helped me build the confidence um, in taking sort of that next step in my career and the next leap by encouraging me to um, participate in public speaking events, um, encouraging me to share my stories with others so that I can encourage other women um, to take the, their leap and or their next step and or build the confidence. Um, she just has been a fantastic mentor in any any challenge that I've come across, I've been able to go and get some fabulous feedback from her um, as to recommendations on how I can get past those challenges. And you, can and you, she, oh, no, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, you know, one, one other, you know, one other area that I have been able to uh, spend time is in the community. I, I became a member at the club of Silicon Valley and have met several other women executives um, in Silicon Valley that sort of share some, we have some same commonalities and we've been able to work together and mentor each other. And it has helped us uh, boost our careers as well together. Yeah. 
tell me what you do when, and because we all have moments, no matter how successful we are, and this is something I have learned from interviewing over 200 successful women, is that there are still moments of insecurity and self-doubt. And when you are in those moments, tell me what you say to yourself or, or how you move past it. Yeah. And I, you know, those are, you know, I have those, I definitely have those moments, but I have to keep my head up high. We all have to, you know, I have to, you know, be, be confident, show confidence, take a positive viewpoint. Um, I think that it's really easy to get um, drained and taken down by uh, having self-doubt um, and, and thinking about the what ifs and the negatives. But I think if you keep positive what I've learned and been really valuable for me is always put a positive spin on everything and, and paint the picture that everyone has a positive or, or, and or wants a positive outcome for you and for the situation. And that has helped so much, you know, of, of staying positive. It's, it's a whole mindset, you know. It is. Yes. It is. How do you do that? In other words, when there's outside forces, working, you know, against you, what, what exactly do you do to, to stay with that positive mindset? So I always take a step back before reacting. Um, I take a step back and I put myself in their shoes and the other person's shoes, but I also take the time to explain to them how it benefits them. And I think when you take the time to look at the broader picture and the bigger picture and how, you know, a positive outcome and, or, you know, what you're striving for can benefit everyone. Um, the, the outcome is typically different versus just having a soloed viewpoint of what you're trying to accomplish. Let everyone know what you're trying to accomplish so that you have everybody on board working towards that positive direction. Yeah, and, and try not to react, you know, emotionally. I think that can emotionally, be. Emotionally. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very hard, you know, to take the emotion yeah. out of situations. But you're, you're right. You have such clarity when you're able to do that just kind of stop and look at the situation and not react right away right that goes back to technology being so ready available right you Mm. you want to react right away and sometimes it's best to let that email sit (laughs) or the original sit and put it in the draft draft box (laughs) yeah yeah read it again a couple times take that yeah and and that also brings back another you know brings another topic up too is you know what I've learned too is that Emails are very hard to read what someone's intent is. Yes. Right. And so when people send emails, text as well, right. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know the intent. So if you don't have this positive thoughtful, you know, if you're not thinking positive thoughts and someone sends you an email or a text, it's really easy to uh, take it in the wrong way to misunderstand what they're saying or their intent. Right. And so that's why I am very traditional and feel like sometimes going back the old fashioned way and just picking up the phone and resolving issues and, or having the conversation is sometimes the best way to tackle it because having a personal conversation changes the game. It changes the conversation. 
It does, because what it does, is, it, and I say this to my kids all the time, when you're texting, there's no tone behind it. And yeah. if, especially if you're, you know, if you're Irish, you're a little sarcastic. It can sometimes <laughs> come across uh, the wrong way. So that tone yeah. is really important to go along with your words. It's so true. Right. Um, we just have a few minutes left. I wanted to know, you know, you've been in this industry for a long time, and you are at the top, and you're successful. Is Do you have some future plans for, you know, possibly doing something different, either in addition yeah. to your role at Genesis or um, changing course altogether? Yeah. So, you know, I've been very um, cautious about my career moves uh, due to the, my family, you know, because I have a family mm-hmm. and I've made decisions to move in my career and make, you know, uh, strategic career moves at certain times where my family's become more mature, right, at different maturity levels. Um, I've been able to take the next step and the, the ne- next leap. Um, for me, the next, you know, leap, I, you know, I am working hard towards this getting into the C-suite. And that step, you know, it will, you know, my goal is to get into that next step within the next two to three years when my kids enter college because then I'm able to dedicate the amount of time and effort needed to really, really um, take on a job like that. And, you know, I, I am very, you know, dedicated to taking on positions and committed, um, and I'm all in. And in order to do that, I need to make sure the balance is still there. And so that is my next step that I'm working towards, um, and I'm hoping to get there in the next two or three years. Well, I have no doubt that you will. Um, but this, yeah, you know, you. that's interesting. Do you think that there requires more time uh, for a CEO, um, anyone in that C-suite, versus um, you know the role of a president or vice president? Not more time in a sense of you know it's interesting because it depends. If you're at a startup, right? You can you'll see people at startups at different ages of, or different stages in their career. And they don't necessarily put in as much time, right? Um, if you're at a more mature company, you'll see folks in the C-suite that are more mature in their careers. So I think it all depends. And what's interesting is, you know, I've been, I'm in my career now. I'm in 20 years. Um, there's, there's folks that are in their, in their career in about five years and are in the C-suite. But it all depends if, it, if that's where you want to be when you want to be there, right? So I've had opportunity and been approached with opportunity during my career that I've had to pass up, even most recently in the C-suite, right, because it's not the right time for me. So I don't think it's necessarily a number of time in your in your um, job or yeah. your career. Right, right. Well, Alice, I, I so appreciate your taking time out of your day to be with us, and uh, I, I wish you continued success. And um, Thank you. And please stay in touch with the show. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed being on the show with you. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thanks so much. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Have a great week.